0: All right, going to start the show now. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Back for another week, episode 11, where we're going to talk about motorcycles and cake
1: recipes. I thought we were talking about stuff. Cake recipes are stuff. That's fair. I've got this really nice one for a double fudge kind of flip over cake that's got a layer of... um...
0: Well, you know what I learned in New Mexico... Uh, when I was there last week. How to set
1: fires?
0: (laughs) No, I blame the beans and green chilies for that. So we can make your cake New Mexico style. Here's how you make New Mexico style. You take a cake, you dump green chilies all over it.
1: (laughs) Now it's New Mexico style cake. (laughs) Pretty sweet, huh? And how do you have a New Mexico style sandwich? Well, you take a sandwich, you dump green chilies all over it. I'm sensing a trend.
0: If you want a New Mexico style green chili, you take a green chili and you dump green chilies all over it. (laughs)
1: So that's why the state's on fire <laughs> yeah green chili
0: and beans seriously so chuck you got to tell me what was that bike you rode in on today
1: oh yeah yeah so i've got a great case of a bdf my own delay factor <laughs> and of course it happened when i was in a hurry
0: i was already at chuck's house hanging out with his daughter and his wife going
1: through all his stuff trying all his clothes on eating all his food i put the spacesuit on i was late leaving work in a rush to get home and a guy comes up and just asks, how did that, How does that Buell run? I was kind of in a hurry, so I was like, it's loud, it shakes. Really nice guy. Just started talking about the bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and standing there, smiling. You <laughs> know, a, a really, really interesting guy. He's really kind of into the older bikes, mm-hmm. um, the old 80s BMWs. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes the dual sports, the cruisers. You're so, sure
0: it wasn't the same guy from, uh, from Moab, right? Right, because this was a young guy. Oh, okay.
1: Hi, Ryan. If you're listening, I hope I gave you a card. You made me stand there sweating in my Chevys for about 15 minutes. I hope you're listening.
0: Remember, folks, if you go up to talk to a guy on a bike and it's 90-something degrees and he's wearing a one-piece suit, be brief. (laughs) (laughs) He's miserable. He's already hot and getting hotter.
1: Real nice guy, though. It was cool to have somebody stop and ask me about the Buell. It's always always fun. Or in sentences that didn't include the words like toe or help. Or repair.
0: (laughs) Is that supposed to look like that?
1: (laughs) I'm loving the Buell so far. It's been great.
0: Good to hear it. And actually today, we're going to interview Steve Zusi, author of a couple
1: of cool touring books and, well, you'll find out. (laughs) He has a history with the Buell. He does have a history with the Buell. Hey, I've got a story about gum. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I chew gum a lot. I just I just imagine you twirling your hair around one finger and
0: chewing your gum.
1: Well, no, because I've got a helmet on. Oh, that, right. Okay. That presents a whole different set of problems, it okay. turns out. I see where you're going. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, you know, I'm I'm booking down on the on-ramp to the freeway, and I hit a bump, and the gum goes right to the back of my throat. <laughs> it's not choking me, but it's hanging off like the little nut sack in the back there. You know? Yeah. The neck nut. The uvula. Yeah, that. <laughs> and... uh I didn't like it being there. Uh, Go figure. Yeah. So I coughed to get it out and uh, it came right out of my mouth. (laughs) And my helmet has a little chin skirt. (laughs) So it came right out and stopped. (laughs) So you're looking at the gum in the chin skirt thinking, hmm. I had a finger jammed up in there. And I pulled my finger out on this giant string of gum. (laughs) And I glance over to the left, and there's a dude in a car, and he's just, Just oh my, what the hell is coming out of his helmet? (laughs) These yellow strings are flapping in the wind. I'm shaking my finger. I'm sure I wasn't distracted at all.
0: Folks, gum on bikes is dangerous. (laughs) Stick with dog biscuits.
1: That's a giant booger coming out of his nose.
0: (laughs) He must have sneezed inside
1: there. (laughs) Gum was getting on, you know, on my clutch, the windshield. It was flapping on the suit. This deal is covered in gum now. Well, it's covered in gum and rotten apple cider. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) So My poor bike. Someday you might want to wash it. I need to go to a bikini car wash of some sort. They won't touch it with all the gum stuck to (laughs) it. She'll so get stuck to it, and then I get a ride home.
0: <laughs> well, I, I hear, I hear you If you weren't paying attention while you were dicking with your gum, it would have been useful if the other driver had some sort of left turn assistant device. <laughs> Which I have to say, wow, man. BMW is there. This is the new and improved, in addition to the don't run over your kids system <laughs> for backing up if you're a complete idiot, there is now a look for you system if you're a complete idiot.
1: Well, yeah. Well, you know, you, you got to imagine at some board meeting in BMW, the car guys and the motorcycle guys were glaring at each other across the table. <laughs> And a motorcycle guy said something along the lines of, Gee, wouldn't it be great if you guys could stop killing us? (laughs) Okay, yep. So (laughs) So the car guys thought, Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could use this as a way to jack up the price another 10 grand? Mm. And profit was had. (laughs) So I guess BMW is working on the system where they uh, combine a GPS with the camera in the car to detect when you're in a left turn lane of some sort or a center lane, and then it will look for you in front of the car. For possible motorcycles or cars or children or... I know why this won't work in Utah, because you probably have to use the signal to tell it you're turning left. (laughs) I think the idea is the GPS is you don't even have to do that. It'll just pin your position down close enough that... Okay, good if there's a turn lane, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, maybe it's smart enough to figure out, hey, he's drifting way over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it's going to periodically go... (laughs) It won't just beep at you. It will apply brakes. Neat. (laughs) So it does everything but
1: drive for the complete idiots. So far. Oh, God. If only we could have cars that drove for the complete idiots. Hey, you know, you, you don't mock it too much, because what if we had a truck that
0: could drive for us? Oh, God. That'd be great. We jump in there, <laughs> we throw the bikes in the back of the truck. We go across the big, boring stretches of highway, getting plowed in the front of the truck and listening to books or something. Yeah. No, that sounds great, actually.
1: I'm, I'm on board. I want a truck that drives for me. I love it. I'm all about it sold <laughs> BMW invent that screw this left turn assistant crap. chop chop we
0: need the we need the we need the and want a truck that will take us somewhere
1: we want the robot truck robo truck I want it to transform into an actual robot that would be neat that would be awesome what would happen to the bikes in
0: the back when it does that
1: they would transform into robots too oh yes and then I, I got it and my Buell would become Odysseus Prime neat and it would fight for justice and truth The Strom would turn
0: into the Chevalier robot.
1: With oil streaming out of it. Streaming from the bottom. (laughs) Don't. It's only weakness. Todd with a wrench. Inappropriately streaming from
0: the bottom. Two beers deep and a wrench. (laughs) Dun, dun,
1: <laughs> Oddly enough, the, the Beale's only weakness is Chuck with a wrench, and there doesn't even have to be beer involved at that point. <laughs> I, think we, I think we can safely assume here that the real problem
0: with all of our bikes is the loose nut between the handlebars. <laughs> so we want to give a shout-out to a friend of ours, Brian, who bent his viffer at the track last week. Do you know what happened? I am really light on details on it. Uh, I don't know. I know he went dirt biking because we, we had to give him a hard time about that because everybody knows only SVs go dirt biking. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and he crashed, and he's got uh, a few uh, broken vertebrae in his neck. So he's in a big honking neck brace. Uh, he's in remarkably
1: good spirits, considering. So, uh, Well, he binned it Santa Fe style, so that means it came with chips and salsa, right? Well, you dump green chilies all over the bike before you bin it. <laughs> <laughs> that was his problem. The green chilies went up into his visor.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then he's all sticky. and So, yeah. Give a shout out to Brian. Heal up fast, man.
1: Yep. And for your next bike, we have a promising candidate. Ooh, yes.
0: If you like bikes that turn fast on the street and can go across dirt,
1: <laughs> Suzuki's got the new Wii. The new V Strom Six Fifty. The re Wee. The re Wee, or I've heard it called called the uh, Gleestrom. That's just unfortunate because it's got the uh, Gladius Mill in it. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little iffy about that one, only
0: because the the Gladius Mill has described to me, and it's Gladius, I think. But uh, whatever. Anyway,
1: um, I'm, I'm half Japanese, I just don't pronounce your weird words correctly. <laughs> I got some buckhorns you can buy.
0: Ooh, 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 <laughs> I can't resist. Okay,
1: anyway. Buy them! So- <laughs> Quickly, I need to go buy Hawaii. <laughs> I so- am half Japanese, so I can get away with these jokes. <laughs>
0: Angry letters, go. <laughs> so the, uh, the the thing that always is kind of weirded me out about the mill, and I know there's like minor updates to it, but one of the things they were talking about is like, oh, it's torqueier. It's like the SV650, but it's kind of torqueier than the SV650, which I thought sounded a lot like the Strom 650 motor. <laughs> huh. People seem to like it, so whatever, you know, a slightly different motor. Question I have. And this is an important question, and if you can get near one of these, find out for me. Will an old school Strom seat fit on it? Because Well, you're never parting with that seat you have. No. (laughs) Do not touch the seat. It's going in your coffin. The Russell Daylong seat will god die with me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, I really, really like the look of this bike. Well the funny thing is it just From the pictures.
0: The the upper cowling is classic Strom. I mean you can't change the Strom. Headlights. The lower cowling, it looks like there's actually almost kind of less cowling
1: there, which was peculiar. It's got a, a sportier look to it.
0: With with fancy vents. Those are those are speed vents. They're they're futuristic
1: vents. You know, they're enough to make me go, hmm. We of the future. If I didn't have the Buell, I I'm well even with the Buell, I'm I'm kinda Well, it's never stopped you before
0: having too many damn bikes and buying <laughs> another one, sticking it in your garage. <laughs> Yeah, but it's going to reach a point
1: where my wife is going to... If your wife kills you, can I have your bikes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I expect them to be burned with me in, like, Viking style. Okay, that's fair. Those pictures look really cool to me. Touch- Just something about it is pushing the check button, huh? Yeah, the look is... That's definitely the kind Just of...
0: Despite the fact that it looks really quite a lot like the old Wii.
1: It looks like an old Wii, but it looks to me like they, they slimmed it down. Because a lot of what bugged me about the old Strom... Yeah was uh it just kind of looks like this chunky the bulbous front end the bulbous front end the back end kind of looks sort of fat it's not sexy I'm, okay i wasn't feeling the sex vibe off of it but the new one just the pictures i was i gotta see this thing in person i am really really i agree
0: curious about how it. weird will it be when we show up at the dealership and i walk in with a Russell seat under my arm <laughs> but this fit <laughs> excuse me can you can you take the seat off that what just just fucking
1: do it <laughs> Hey, if we slam your seat on it and it fits, you think they'll let us test ride it? No. (laughs) I mean, (sighs) I know.
0: I know. All right. Well, I think it's time to let someone else talk because everyone gets sick of us.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So let's call up Steve Zusi and see what he's got to say about his really, really cool touring books.
1: All right. So now we're on with Steve Zusi, the co-author of uh, the two books, Motorcycle Touring in the Pacific Northwest – the region's best rides, and motorcycle touring in the Southwest, the region's best rides. Uh, the books are described as uh, being friendly prose, peppered with anecdotes, sidebars, and interesting asides. Christy Karras and Steve Zusi describe the routes, most representing a day's worth of riding, and include a map for each, photographs, and details of plenty on road conditions, terrain, stuff worth stopping for, amenities, and side trips. Hey, Steve.
2: Hey, how's it going, guys? Real good. We're in the cave full of beer beer. As am I. Probably not as much beer here, but <laughs> so Steve, tell us a, a little bit about Steve. How far back do you want me to go? Well,
0: let's start with let's start with how you got into riding and bikes you have lived upon.
2: Oh god, how I get into riding. I remember going to church one day when I was maybe 11 years old and saw a guy on a motorcycle and I said, when I get older I want to I want to have a Honda. That was my dream was to have a Honda. Dream big. Yeah, you know, <laughs> every motorcycle at that point was a Honda. Yeah, against my mom's wishes, I um, taught myself to ride on a friend's. I was trying to think back to what it was. It was like a single, like a one-cylinder 90cc Honda. I'm thinking Passport or Trail 90. It was a Trail 90. Wow. Yeah,
0: That's not a very hard guess because every bike, every other bike in existence in America at the time was a Trail 90.
2: Exactly. I'd had a couple of minibikes and ridden some friends' dirt bikes prior to that. But I needed to learn how to ride a clutch so that I could actually go and get my license. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was actually twofold. I had a crush on my friend's sister, so I I sort of had an excuse to go visit her and (laughs) learn how to ride a motorcycle at the same time. When I
1: figure this bike out, baby, you're going to get on the back.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know.
1: And then you rode it promptly into a wall.
2: (laughs) uh, I did pop a wheelie on it. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, um, what was your last bike? Hmm. Let me think. Last bike was, a I think, was a Buell, if I recall correctly. It was, you say. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was. A Buell
1: Ulysses, maybe.
2: Yes, it was.
1: Now that we have you here in the cave, we're going to ask you some questions.
2: Which, (laughs) which at the time I bought it, was getting rave reviews. and It was just cutting edge enough to be kind of cool, but not, not really popular. It's run out of cool since Chuck's been on
1: it. <laughs> hey, it's still way cool. So in, ca- in case you haven't picked up on it, listeners, Steve is the guy who sold me the Buell. The Buell. Yeah, the, the famed Buell. So I want to start with the hard question for you, Steve, about the Buell.
2: And they're with full. Di- I thought I gave full disclosure at the time. <laughs> oh, well, well,
1: now... <laughs> you didn't mention the ancient Mayan curse that had been placed upon it.
2: <laughs> I think that was the ancient Buell curse. <laughs> or the ancient Harley curse. The hard question
0: I've got for you, though, here is about the Buell, selling it to Chuck. How could you sell an awesome bike like that to Chuck? Because it's like giving a four-year-old a bazooka, man. Nobody likes you.
2: Well, you know, I, I think you backed me up on this.
0: I think I did, actually. I can't. I, can have to, I have to I take some the- responsibility. Yeah, Todd was I, there.
2: Yeah, if it hadn't been for you, I'm not sure that he would have bought it. So I think you <laughs> might have bought it.
0: I, I was the, – the thought crossed my mind. <laughs>
2: I was like, "If I steal this bike, is Chuck going to be mad?" <laughs> yeah, probably. Was, I think there was a little uh, friendly competition going on there at the time. Chuck, Chuck, I, the Buell's not for sale anymore. But do you want to buy a Strom? <laughs> I know one for sale. <laughs> you, can just, you can just start collecting bikes like that. Bikes it's okay. Like of it the two,
0: like. the Strom is currently leaking a lot more oil. So, yes, yeah, the, the
1: Buell's not leaking nothing. Yeah, the Strom's leaking enough for two. So you, you had no problems with the Buell, right?
2: It was all me. You, you can um, say it. <laughs> no problem. No problems that you know a good mechanic at a Harley dealership couldn't take care of.
1: See, that was interesting when I when I talked to Steve about the Harley mechanics. Mm-hmm. He's he was recommended a different dealership than the one I've been going to. Interesting. So it's yeah. Kind of
2: a... I would highly recommend downtown dealer. Which mm-hmm. yeah, for you guys, that's downtown.
1: He was saying, you know, there's the guy there who knows Buell. Where, well, he works know.
2: on their um, he works on their race bike. If you want to know anything that's legit to do, and even things that you probably shouldn't do, to <laughs> you can tell anyway. Yeah. So the, the Ulyss,
1: this Buell the, is. You used this Buell to do both the books, right? Right. You and Christy were writing two up on on the on it for everything.
2: Uh, not for all the ride. Seventy thirty on the Southwest book, maybe fifty fifty on the Northwest book. All right. What was
1: the genesis be- behind this book? What drove the idea?
2: She's she's an author by trade. She's written for the AP, Salt Lake Tribune, and she we were doing research for another one of her books. I think the title was going to be Notorious Utah, and we were seeking out. There's a lot of crazy shit that's gone on in sort of the outback of Utah. We were doing some research outside of Vernal um, down one of the back roads, and I was like, God, you know, I haven't bought a bike since I've lived in Utah because I did, I didn't really think there were a whole lot of roads, a lot of good riding, and, and the season just seemed so short, and it kind of tossed out the idea of doing a motorcycle touring book. and she kind of thought it was a great idea, and she happened to be at Outdoor Retailers and pitched the publisher. They went for it, but yeah, it was just sort of an off-the-cuff, you know, one of those conversations you have with somebody while you're, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and never thought it would happen, and...
0: I have to say, my, my jealousy level is is quite insane. <laughs> <laughs> about the idea of, hey, ride around and then write about it. Well, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I still have to pitch myself sometimes that, and even my, our accountant, he said, you know, I've never, I've never had a client in the 25 years of being in business that's been able to write off a motorcycle as a business expense.
1: You wrote it off?
2: Yeah, we formed a, formed a little company and not, not a profitable company, but. but well, you got
1: it. two books out of it, so it must've been not too bad. Yeah.
2: Well, I was I was working full-time for the first one and making pretty decent money. So it was it was easy for me to just kind of bury the expenses. Oh, okay. And then the second one, I got notice of a layoff about a month before we signed the contract to do the second one. So mm. I got laid off simultaneous to them wanting to do a second book. And you're so, like, hey, I got all this free time. <laughs> exactly. Now I can do it full-time. Convenient. You know, it takes two <laughs> years to do it, so...
1: So it took two years to get to the point where you're you're ready to start riding. How long did it take you to, to do all these rides for the first book, say?
2: It was about 18 months once we once we got the contract for the first book of riding, you know, taking a lot of trips around the Southwest, me going off on weekends. So I generally
0: want to go research where to go with a motorcycle. I'll look at Google Maps and I'll be like,
2: that road looks cool. Let's go look at
0: it. And it turns out to be, you know sketchy or not there anymore. (laughs) So apart from buying uh, these two excellent books I've heard of, Motorcycle Touring the Pacific Northwest and Motorcycle Touring in the Southwest, by Christy Karras and
1: Steve Zussi. Available now.
0: So apart from using those two books, where do you go to do research to find out cool places to go see on a motorcycle? Like if someone's going, I guess, northeast, where there isn't a book available necessarily, where would you go to research?
2: You know, I, there aren't aren't that many places, or at least there weren't that many places to go um, when I first started doing the research. There was Mm -hmm. There was one book on the Southwest that was published back in 1996. So lots and, of opening. Yeah, there was lots of room there. And, I mean, there, was, there were a lot of gaps. It was a lot of just getting on the bike, getting a bunch of maps, and cross-referencing the maps and doing some research on the web, talking to people, you know, showing up in a town and going to the, to the local bike shop and mm-hmm. saying, where's some great places to go, you know, talking to people at the bars. Kind of boots-on-the-ground guerrilla Be- research. People were like,
1: "You're that guy on the Buell that was running down the indigenous virgins. That's why it was
2: cursed." The Buell opened some doors for us because it was. Uh, there were a lot of people that that thought it was a BMW GS, and I know.
1: Well, maybe back in, you know, 06 or 09. Back 09. in the
2: day, people had no idea what
1: it was. A so, lot of people still don't know what a Buell
2: is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's true, too. <laughs> Doing your research, it sounds like you go out there and you poke around and you ride a few of them. Were there any that were a horrible bust, like got down the road and it was terrible, boring, no gas,
2: um, attacked? So much, a bunch of
0: rednecks too, with guns.
2: Not so much in the Southwest. I mean, there were a few... Well there's a few busts that actually ended up in the book that I would have rather not seen as chapters mm. um, and there were and there were a few things that I would have liked to have seen in there that didn't like what um Arizona has a lot of kind of undiscovered back roads and gravel roads and dirt roads and um, Hick, yeah a lot there's a lot of Arizona that um Local color. (laughs) We've just lost our Arizona listener. Exactly, yeah.
1: What was your favorite ride from uh, either one of the books?
2: I don't think there's any – well, I love Highway 12. I could ride Highway 12 back and forth end to end. Right there with you. Yeah. Um, I
1: still haven't done this.
2: The only thing I don't like about it is a couple of years ago they filled in all the cracks with um, way too much tar.
0: Oh, yeah. And the
2: the tar snakes heat up really easily.
0: Yeah, and it's in the section between Escalante and uh, uh, Kodachrome there where you really want to be romping on it.
2: Anywhere you really want to lay into it, they've put way too much tar. Great. Um, Yeah, yeah, so you do want to – you want to go when it's not 110 degrees in the shade, definitely. That's that's probably true regardless
1: (laughs) unless you've got an otter pop
2: vest. A huge camelback with lots of water anywhere you go in the southwest is is key to, to survival. There's some stuff in Colorado too, from kind of south and west out of Grand Junction, way into western Colorado.
0: Mm-hmm. Down through Naturita and Gateway and all what have yeah. you there.
2: Yeah, that's one of my favorite rides.
0: We had to bail on that on our last trip due to uh, the Buell being cursed. It wasn't anything to do with the Buell. That was the one we wanted to do with the uh, when we were going to Durango, and the uh, the Ural broke oh, the Todd. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was the yeah. Ural broke me. The Todd being cursed. We're just cursed. Yeah, we've got we've got some luck. <laughs> <laughs> got to ask the food question because you know motorcycles ride to eat, eat to ride, right? So what's what's the uh, what's the restaurant which people have never heard of they need to uh, go to?
2: We kind of stayed away from that because you could write a whole book on just you know great food while you're on the road. And I tend not to eat a lot when I'm on the road. I'm I'm the uh, like coffee and peanuts is pretty much my diet when I'm on the road. <laughs> That's a really sad story. Look for the Steve Zusey diet at com. <laughs> it's the motorcycle touring diet. It's lots of caffeine and lots of like peanuts and sunflower kernels. And, and in a couple of months on the road, you're bound to lose 20 or 30 pounds.
1: So. Not the way we go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we gain weight on trips.
1: <laughs> so when you guys were doing the two-up part of the touring, how, how was the, the, the whole packing gear situation for you with with the bike?
2: Um, it became an issue. It's <laughs> a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, Todd's talked about it to being, you know, an issue to the point where he's gotten the whole, s- where I bought a sidecar.
2: Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it was never an issue just riding solo, but when you're riding two up and you're trying to bring enough stuff for five or six days for two people, yeah, it becomes an issue of, you know, you end up washing your underwear in the bathroom sink at night, or I, I actually rode with biking shorts, but each one of us got one case, one side case. The top case was split between camera gear and, and stuff that we just kind of shared that we would need on the road, but it was more difficult for Christy obviously than it was for me, but you know. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, but now that you have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's, let's start the angry letters to Todd <laughs> from our female listeners. No, no, I'm just, uh, we're, we're done.
2: In the interest of full disclosure and I'm not sure that it's Something that uh, we even wrote about in the book was that Christy and I dated for a while before we wrote these books. You know, I was kind of wondering, you know, just yeah. the you whole subject pretty matter, well. you
1: know, like you're going to be take off on a bike, just the two of you going places.
2: You should really never let anybody ride on the back. That's been my experience after writing these two books is that <laughs> everybody, everybody should have their own bike. Uh,
1: really, <laughs> yeah. I want to talk to Christy now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ride behind Steve. <laughs> I, think she, I think she would second that. He I mean, farts. She would definitely second that. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to ride longer than she did, and I was always afraid that she was going to fall asleep and fall off. And she, there was one time we we pulled over down in Arizona, and she, she was like, "What do you think would happen if I fell off? Like, how many times would I bounce?" And I was like, <laughs> "Please don't." Do not fall Please, I do not want to write about somebody falling off the motorcycle and bouncing down the road. So you
0: have to tire to the, the frame. Like, I've I've totally seen like the the lady on the back of a Goldwing slumped over one of those armrests like drooling in the wind.
2: Yeah, it's just not not a good it's just not a good place for a second person to be. Yeah. No, so that's kind of what we came to with
0: the sidecar. So since I got the sidecar, even though it can't go fast, plopped Ruthann in the sidecar and rode her around in it once. She's like, I'm never getting in the back of your stupid bike again.
2: <laughs> I would I would love to get a sidecar or a trailer. There's a bunch of really cool trailers out there that if I, if there is a next project.
1: You're going to put if, Christy in the trailer?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put Christy in the trailer and put my camping gear in the back seat. <laughs> make sure that the weight's distributed
0: the idea i liked about the trailer especially for camping was you can chain a trailer to a tree at a campsite
2: yeah yeah instead of having to break camp every night
1: alternatively you could chain christy to the tree and then go ride your bike and one hope she doesn't listen to this show <laughs>
2: <laughs> steve's gonna get angry email. <laughs> Well, She's uh, going... and i would imagine she would have her own opinion on that i'm sure there were times when she wanted to uh throw me off the front of the bike so yeah it, you know. move
1: over i'm right i'm doing this chain steve to a tree and <laughs> <laughs> light the fuel on fire and yeah. walk away in slow motion <laughs> yeah i'm
2: sure there were times she was ready to get off and just grab the quickest flight back to wherever we'd come from because yeah did, did you guys
1: manage to do any camping with these books or was it all
2: i did by myself but it was you know i thought about trying to pack i actually did one trip when i was Staying in Portland, I did with a friend of mine, and we packed camping gear and rode two up. And talk about overpacked!
0: Yeah, that was my experience too.
2: Yeah, it's just it's cozy. It's,
0: <laughs> it's, it's,
2: it's, that's what the back seats for. The back seats for your camping stuff.
0: This is where Chuck looks has to look smug because I always give him a hard time for having a giant pile of crap on his back seat. <laughs>
2: That's, well, it gives you something to lean back into. Yeah, you got to be careful, though. The more you pack, the more comfortable you get, the more you want to bring. Pretty soon you have way too much stuff with you.
0: I haven't really found that to be a problem with the sidecar.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, you know what you've found to be a problem with the sidecar? Freeways. Yes.
2: <laughs> you know what, Todd? That's my biggest fear, having lived in California and been able to lane split for many years. I have this fear of getting a sidecar and forgetting it's there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let me let me reassure you right now, riding a bike with a sidecar,
2: you know it's there. You're you really know it's there.
1: You're never gonna forget. Yeah. So would would you buy another Buell?
2: Would I buy I wish Eric Buell would design a, a sport touring bike. I would I would give it another shot. Yeah. I mean that's a dude, fun bike to ride.
1: Dude knows his stuff about bikes.
2: Yeah, that's a fun. <laughs> a fun bike to ride i mean even fully loaded it still rides more like a sport bike than it does like a touring bike so what are you on now steve i am actually um just on my office chair i don't have a bike right now i'm between bikes <laughs> i'm between bikes I'm, I'm actively doing research trying to figure out what the next what the next perfect bike is going to be
0: mm. any more of these uh touring books coming that's gonna be a question what's that what's the next touring book because the, the two you've got are, frankly, loads of fun. I, lo- I love the way you do the kind of the shorter day rides rather than the cross Alaska and fight a bear and eat something. It's like something you could actually do on a weekend instead, which is rad. Yes, it's I, very cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that was the whole purpose for doing the books is, you know, we kind of picked Salt Lake as a hub and Phoenix as a hub and Portland as a hub and Seattle as a hub. You know, there's a lot of rides that you could link together. But I don't know what the next. When we signed the contract for the Northwest book, we were talking about doing Northern California, because I had lived there, and everything north, place. everything north of like Santa Cruz is amazing.
0: Oh, yeah, through Sonoma and all that.
2: Yeah, and a lot of great day rides. You know, we talked about doing New England, but that's like saying we're going to do the whole west. It's just so vast.
0: Incredibly dense.
2: Incredibly dense. So many little... I mean, you'd have to live there for a decade to know all the back roads and...
0: Well, I'm all for New England. I'd love to see
1: a New England book, but yeah.
2: I'd love to I see don't. New England. I'd love to see, like... I'd like that's... to
1: see a book about, like, North Carolina.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, that sort of Central Coast, the Smokies, like, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia.
1: The Blue Ridge Parkway. Yeah, the Blue Ridge
2: Parkway. The...
1: I heard the roads out there are, are paved in gold. Haven't you,
2: Todd? Yeah. And There's I...
1: free cookies? There's free cookies around it's every free bend?
2: cookies, and every turn is, is perfectly banked and... The pavement's perfect, and I think
1: I think uh, Steve's been talking to our friend.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: if I may forward a suggestion, please do, um, please do. Uh, okay. The Canadian Rockies, everything from where they start in Alberta on over to the British Columbia coast.
2: That we had talked about doing all of British Columbia for the North Book.
0: That's a
1: lot of all.
2: Yeah, you could you could spend a couple you of years just book. writing. Yeah, do a whole book on just British Columbia.
1: You made it in the Canada a little bit with the Pacific Northwest book, right? I, I,
2: I did, and it's. Um,
1: I have a vague memory of you talking about people getting high.
2: Yeah, they like their, <laughs> they like their um, what medicine. They, but I think they're they're going to pretty much overtake California with with the pot production here pretty soon. Um, in fact, there's a little town in BC. It's I got stopped coming back into the country because I did a day loop into this little town, and it's known for its. <laughs> It's recreational nature, it's use. It's recreational use of... And it's, it's also, it's tolerance of pot. I'd heard stories of police officers confiscating your party favors for their own use. And it was kind of like driving into a Grateful Dead. It was like riding into a Grateful Dead concert. I was like, <laughs> am, I, am I back in Boulder? Am I in Telluride? Like, it was...
1: You know, you, you smell everything on a bike, so I bet he rode like two blocks. And That's why like, you can't remember the name. I'm hungry. <laughs> I need to eat right now. I don't know why.
2: I can't remember the name, and I made sure that I didn't pack any.
1: You didn't accept any unopened I accept packages.
2: I didn't take any packages from anybody. I didn't buy anything. Yeah, because I, did, I didn't want to have weapons drawn on me when I was trying to get back into the States. So. <laughs>
1: Overtake California. Well, I guess our, our one listener in Humboldt, California, is writing an angry email now.
2: Well, <laughs> You'll never get hot. It's like,
1: all right. He'll forget what he's doing for you. And there's,
2: something, <laughs> uh, there's something for a stoner to strive for. You know, they've got some competition. Um, a
1: stoner striving?
2: Yeah. Well, you know,
1: I'm not sure that.
2: How do you think, think Humboldt got where it's at? That
1: That's like, true. Somebody <laughs> had to work Somebody some had point. to work
2: to get that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Steve, Steve what's, the, what's the
0: one piece of advice if okay. you had if you had five seconds before somebody rolled out of a rest stop and they were going to go ride the West,
2: what's one piece of advice you'd give them? Make sure that your keys are not in the lock of your top case. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes you, Steve. Double, double check to make sure that you have your keys. Please tell me you did that. Oh, I don't know how many times I did that.
1: Um, That's probably what happened to my keys. You think? Uh, no, I still think somebody stole them out of my tank bag.
2: You know, I mean, the yeah, I mean, I, there were so many times. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of times I did it and I knew it within 10 miles. And there were times that I got a couple hours down the road to the next gas stop and I pulled over and... See, I'm
1: I'm going to blame that whole thing on Steve because of the way he does his keys. That's why. <laughs> okay. Because he he's had the,
0: the That's little... an awful thin...
2: How did I do excuse. my... Oh, that little, that tiny little
1: the splitter and stuff so you could have your bag key separate from your ignition key
2: and never well, think about it I learned that le- well they, it came with two sets of keys and I lost one set of the keys because <laughs> my passenger left them sitting somewhere I'll blame it on my passenger but yeah the keys were left sitting on the case or in the lock or somewhere and we rode off and heard that can happen Chuck
1: I'm going back to that the Buell is cursed <laughs> Steve was running down virgins somewhere in the Amazon I'm it, pretty sure it
2: does it does happen and I tried to think of a better way. I mean they should all be on one key.
0: I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to disagree and I say they should be like the Harley where you push the button on the console and it opens for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, although I rode with some guys on Harley's that had the little key fobs and the guy lost his fob. Who knows? It's bound to happen that you ride off and leave them sitting somewhere.
1: I'm gonna dig caches throughout the southwest and just leave keys and holes like geocaches. <laughs> People are going to find my keys decades yeah. from now.
2: Yeah, with little with little beacons that you can get up and send out, send out.
1: I've lost my keys. Well, don't worry. We can just hike to the one that's 10 miles away. we 20
2: miles from a Chuck key. <laughs> <laughs> it's under a rock. And have it on a little clapper so that you're not padding. <laughs> I always find myself like padding pants pockets. and.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for talking to us, Steve. No
2: worries. Thanks, guys.
0: So Steve Zussi's books, Motorcycle Touring Touring in the Pacific Northwest and Motorcycle Touring in the Southwest, are both available wherever fine books are sold and probably where shabby books are sold, too.
2: Exactly. And try to buy them from your local booksellers, but Amazon.com, and we don't really complain about that either.
1: Yeah. In fact, if you could follow the link from the Wheel Nerds page, that would be even better.
2: There you go. There you go.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, Steve.
2: Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good talking to you.
1: Hey, that was great. (laughs) Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. It's always nice to know someone else has suffered on your bike before you. Yeah, you know it's kind of weird that the whole key thing. I'm blaming him for the key thing from now on. Yeah, the whole key thing. That is, is that is well, a little spooky. I gotta say, his whole his There's method a, of key, well, you saw the way he had the keys,
0: right? I, I don't I don't think you can blame him though. I mean, this I, is like this is like clearly it's endemic to everyone who owns this bike. So something I th- well I think he set these the keys up like that. On this is purpose. just the key losingest bike in the world. Is what it gets right down to. If you have a Buell, you will lose your keys. <laughs> Folks, start a timer until Chuck loses the next set of keys. <laughs> Write it in <and> guess.
1: <laughs> all right, fabulous prizes if you win. Should we should we hear from our listeners? Yes, we we have some emails from our listeners. Actually, we have a special email section this week.
0: Special Wheel Nerds <coughs> email section.
1: This is the Canadian listener emails. Jason N from Halifax writes: I've downloaded all podcasts and I'm making my way through them. Thanks, Jason. Very entertaining so far. Keep up the good work. P.S. Now we need some Wheel Nerd stickers for our bikes. We're working on it. We are working on that. Um... Did you see the ones upstairs, the new ones? No, I'll
0: have to go take a look afterwards. But so far, we're uh, we're hitting this weird sliding scale of quality and price, which won't come as a surprise to anybody who manufactures anything.
1: Right. But we are working on it. I think the most likely ones that will come first will be three-inch stickers. That seems mm. about right. Those go well on side
0: cases and stuff. And yep. you can hide them easily, you know, if people, if you don't to be embarrassed in public. Right, right, right. Put them in the inside of your side cases so no one knows you listen to this crappy show. <laughs> Do you listen to Wheelers? No! I don't know what you're talking about. Will who?
1: Aren't you Todd? No! You're the guy begging for Team Todd emails. Well, always. He was actually like that before the show. He, he has a Team Todd shirt. He just wears it around for fun. Yeah, so then we got 30 or 40 Team Todd emails. No, we don't.
0: Keep them coming, folks. Whatever.
1: This is big. I want to read this. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to read it. This is from Robert W. from Saskatchewan. He writes, and actually, this is this is a, your Team Todd email. Oh, this, good. This is it. This nice. is your Team Todd email. Team Todd. You ready? Rock and roll. So every time bikes have been mentioned as the topic of conversation in the last couple of weeks, I have mentioned your podcast. Nice. Thank you. In a rather flattering light, I'll add. So today, when listening to your recent release... I believe you made some references to your two Canadian subscribers who are willing to fess up to being fans. Funny. That's Jason and Robert. (laughs) (laughs) And then from out of your trap flies some dumbass reference to the French language. Merci. means thank you. Yeah, whatever. You would have realized if you would ride outside of your bubble on occasion, perhaps heading north, To not all that many Canadians even speak French, Mm. 20%. Okay. And most that do are clumped together in one separatist thinking corner of the country. Truth is, the U.S. actually has something like 4 million more French-speaking citizens than Canada. That's kind of wild, actually. (laughs) Next thing you know, you'll utter the term, eh,
0: which I think I did. I do that all the time.
1: Like, that is something people here even say. Regardless, still enjoy your show, Jerk. I had it (laughs) done. We'll forward you a link to my blog someday when it warms up and I can get it running again. That was a cold reference for you in case you also think that we spend most of our time freezing our packages off. That part's true. By the way, I made it down to Colorado for the Strom Rally last summer and had a blast. I was one of the only six guys to run the tops with Billy Aller. I'm thinking you weren't there. Nope. Cheers. Well,
0: unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the Strom Rally. Because I was in Oregon spending too much money at wineries. <laughs> Life is tough. No, you gotta, you got to understand something. Because I, I grew up, where I grew up, the closest big real city was Montreal, where they speak a lot of French. And you can buy beer at 18 years old in Quebec. So that was
1: a plus. That's like Mexico. You could buy beer at 18 in Tijuana, which is why I spent right. a lot of time. So,
0: you know, same kind of deal. Yeah. But I like all of Canada. I've
1: I've... I've been
0: through a whole bunch of Canada. I've shivered knee-deep in the icy blue waters of the Athabasca, and I've stood on the toe of the glacier it flows from. I've stared down the Tyrannosaurus and the Ceratopsons at the Royal Tyrell Museum in Drumheller. I've stood at the edge of fields of sunflowers that stretched to the horizon in Saskatchewan. I've survived prairie hailstorms that trashed my car's bodywork in Manitoba. i slept in the shadow of the sleeping giant, and I watched landlocked freighters, pass by the remains of Silver Islet. So I've been shot down by girls in clubs in Toronto. I've done laundry in Brandon. I've eaten at a tea shop in Moose Jaw. And let me tell you, Canadian listeners, in Moyet, B.C. there are two ATMs and they are both out of money.
1: I have seen strange brews 20 times.
0: That was the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra performing O Canada. There you go, Robert. We have an exciting, exciting thing for all of you listeners, even the Canadian
1: ones. Exciting new program. As long as they speak English. I don't care (laughs) if they speak (laughs) French or not. (laughs) Well, they might just be cursing at us in French. Uh, How would we know? I know a few of the curse words. That's the first thing you learn in the language. Uh, First thing I learned is how to pick up girls.
0: I played Dungeons and Dragons a lot. Oh, right. So we're introducing the Wheel Nerds Disorganized Unpaid Correspondent Program, which, which as an acronym makes – I don't really know what it makes. Emphasis on unpaid. Un- unpaid is important. You, you won't get paid. And we're sort of disorganized. So here's the deal. Who are we again? We're the Wheel Nerds. Oh, right. What? Oh, what? Focus. All right. Get one beer in him and he's giggly. The Wheel Nerds Disorganized Unpaid Correspondent Program is where you can be on a Wheel Nerds
1: show. They can? Well, if their stuff's good. Does that mean I have the night off? We'll see. Hmm. Because I could go drink. That's good, too. Yeah. As opposed to drinking down here in the cave. Right. I could drink more than our allotment of one to two beers.
0: Send us your stuff so the wheel nerds don't have to work so hard.
1: (laughs) And be funnier than us.
0: So here's what we're looking for. We can't always ride every bike, and you maybe have one of the bikes that we can't necessarily ride. We'd like to hear from you. So, Wait, I thought we wanted to go ride their bike. Well, that'd be good, too.
1: Yeah. Could yeah. you just, you know, trailer your bike to us? That would be great. That'd
0: be great. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll ride, we'll totally ride your bike for you and check the rev limiter. Awesome. On the other hand, if you just want to ride your own bike and, uh, talk to us about it a little bit, send us a little, uh, little MP3 talking about your bike and what you like about it. If you go somewhere cool for motorcycles and you want to talk about it, send us a little MP3. If you would like to hear your bike in the intro of Wheel Nerds, which you've heard by now. Yep. Yeah. Start your bike up and say Wheel Nerd's in there somewhere, and if it's funny, we'll use it. Yeah.
1: Tell us about, you know, some cool piece of gear or some farkle you've got. Totally. find You know, some cool road you've found. Hell, you know, tell us about the gum that almost choked you on the freeway. In <laughs> exhausting,
0: disgusting detail.
1: <laughs> you know what? The gum's still
0: on my gloves. <laughs> be the first one on your block to be part of the Wheel Nerd's Disorganized Unpaid Correspondent Program. <laughs>
1: The <laughs> first. Be the only kid on your block to be. It could be a
0: big block. <laughs> like cell block. Like multiple multiple states long.
1: It's a cell block. <laughs> Remember, 257. You got a visitor. It's the Wheel Nerds. <laughs> Make a Wish Foundation. I
0: want to see the Wheel Nerds before. <laughs> oh, man. That's a sad kid. <laughs>
1: Oh man, that was that was probably over the top. Oh, that was a little sad. That was pretty sad. All right, so what have you learned tonight, Chuck? I've learned that the, my key problems are all Steve's fault, and I've learned Canada's cool. Canada is cool, except for that part where they tried to kick me out. <laughs> We'll have to go to Canada. The Wheel Nerds take over Canada. Oh, we totally need to go, like, do a road trip up Mm. there. Icefields Parkway. Robert has virtually challenged us to go to Canada. The gauntlet has been thrown down, eh? Well, more like one of those big fur mitts. I can hear him
0: grinding his teeth (laughs) when I say, hey, isn't it great? (laughs) All right, well, until next week, we're the Wheel Nerds. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. Send us your Wheel Nerds disorganized unpaid correspondent program stuff at wheelnerds at gmail.com. Or just send
1: us an email and tell us how much we suck. <laughs> well, Todd sucks. I, I've got fan mail. Thanks. Thanks, guys. We'll Th- uh, We'll catch you next week. That's it for the show. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Todd's all done. <laughs> Cut. All <right>. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> all right. Until next week, everybody. Ride safe. We'll catch you next time. If you listen to us on iTunes, please write a review for us so that we can get some more exposure and hits. Thanks.